Hi there. Welcome to The Preventable, the podcast giving you a seat at the table with conversations about the intersection of alcohol, drugs, and mental health in everyday lives. Take a seat and join us. Welcome to The Preventable. With me today is Matt Woods, digital content producer for KMOV. And uh, he is going to be, he and his his team are this year's recipients of our Gateway Award, which is really exciting. Did I say that right, Max? I'm looking at you in the corner. Okay, the Gateway Award, I was going to say. Um, and really, we give that for a um, like a media company, somebody in the media who is shining a light on our field. And you certainly did that this year, you and your team. So welcome to The Preventable. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to be here. So you did a hour, was it an hour long? Just about 50 minutes. Okay. A 50 minute special that ran prime time that had lots of kind of digital components beforehand and after solely dedicated to the overdose crisis. Like, that's pretty incredible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, and I we had no idea that it would balloon into the project that it became. Uh, I initially, I had been working at KMOV for a couple months. I pitched to my boss and the uh, special project producer that I wanted to do a story about fentanyl. Um, we're like, yeah, okay, let's, let's do it. We interview like three or four people, and we're just like, man, there's really a story here mm. that's just not being told uh that doesn't get enough attention um and so we ended up interviewing 20 something people uh ended up being a 50 minute documentary like you said uh there was a special that aired um and yeah it just sort of became way bigger than we definitely imagined so you just said a lot there and i want to unpack this so you're fairly new at kmov channel four basically if you live in st louis and you pitch this story talk me through that pitch how did that go (laughs) well um one of the things that um the that KMOV had brought up in my initial interview there uh was that we do special projects uh digital exclusives sometimes we call them Mm. um and I think everybody at their heart you know in uh, the digital content area is sort of, you know, we want to report. We want to also do the stuff that the um, the TV reporters do. Um, and so uh, it was just this thing. I'm like, this uh, crisis is something that's happening largely in the dark. I really want to learn more about it. Uh, I ended up just looking up, like, books on the fentanyl crisis mm-hmm. and found... A book called Fentanyl Inc. Yep, by Ben Westhoff. Um, and I'm reading the first three pages or whatever, and I see that uh, he's talking about St. Louis, where he lives. I'm like, what? Like, like this is, what this are is the huge. Odds All of right, this? I got to right, interview exactly. this guy. Uh, and so I called some people, called him the DEA, um, and then just a bunch of other people. Uh, we ended up highlighting people who had used substances, people who were. In the treatment area, uh, moms who had lost their adult children to overdoses, um, and so we we tried our best to make it like a, a an all encompassing project to really show the depths of what the crisis looks like today and how we got here in the first place. Right, and and that to me, I think, was something that 
a lot of us appreciated about the special and the coverage was that you addressed it from as many sides as possible, right? So you talked about how did it get here? You talked about the supply side. You talked about the demand side selfishly. Really stoked you included prevention education and <laughs> and beginning in kindergarten. I remember when we first talked, you were like, wait, back up the truck. What? Like, and, <laughs> you know, but then you also talked to people who had lost kiddos and people who were who are um, in recovery, right? And and there were just lots of sides of the story, which to me is very rare, but very much appreciated. And I think that's why locally, and I know at uh, other places as well, there's gotten, there, there's become so much traction around this because you spent 50 minutes and 50 minutes is not enough. I'm sure we could talk about, like, how do you decide what to edit and how do you decide who to feature and who not to yeah. feature? Like, that's that must be really hard. But you devoted 50 minutes in primetime television. You weren't showing, like, whatever, Chicago PD or Big Bang Theory or whatever. Like, this is what you were talking about. Like, that's a, that's a BFD. That's a big friggin' deal, you know? So that that's why you're here. And, and I just want to say, like, thank you from our field thank you for shedding a light on all of the different aspects because as we were talking about before there's not a strategy that's going to get us out of this right it's not just narcan it's not just needle exchange it's not just prevention education it's not just law enforcement it's like all of it yeah i think the more that i read research and report on this the more i realize that i don't know uh, which is a good thing uh it's a very complicated issue people need to understand that um and they also just need to understand that uh these are humans that we're talking about and i think if i wanted people to come away with one thing from the documentary is just to feel a little more empathetic about people's lives because there really are a lot of people who think that it because it doesn't affect them that they don't need to care um or that oh it can never happen to me mm-hmm. it could never happen to my kid not in my house mm-hmm. uh but it does um and we hear the stories um and to the point of you know who to include in the documentary um i think as Journalists, we always have to think about uh, who has a stake in this. Um, obviously, the families, the people who have, are struggling with it themselves. Uh, but there are so many people that this crisis touches yeah. along the way that um, their stories need to be told too, mm-hmm. right? So, mm. Did you always want to be a journalist? Um, you know, and are I... Are you from here? Originally? I wish I had... I, yeah, I'm from Granite City. Oh, okay. Uh, cool. I went to Granite City High School and then Webster University. Uh, so I've Which always, I've always stuck around. Program, right? They do, they do. Yeah, um, I had some great professors at Webster who really helped me craft my love for journalism and not just. Um, originally, I uh, was just I was like I, I'm interested in sports. I could be a sports journalist, sports broadcaster, reporter, something along those lines. Mm -hmm. But as uh, I took some more journalism classes, I just um, sort of got a liking for just reporting on news uh, as well. Um, And so, 
Yeah, I think I've kind of hung on to that. And I also just love documentaries in general. Um, I'm so, a, such a documentary nerd. What's, uh, like, what's like the last really good one you've seen? Besides yours, of course. Eh, besides, I ha- <laughs> I haven't watched it in a while. Um, the there was a really good documentary series on uh, Alex Alec Murdoch. Oh yeah. On Netflix, hmm. case was a lot more complicated, oh, a lot yeah. more complicated than I thought. Uh, that one, there was a really good one on Peacock about Casey Anthony that I watched Ooh, not that long ago. Okay. It was okay. really, really good, and those are the, the ones that come up are always like the real crime ones. But oh yeah, yeah. there's a lot of really uh, good ones out there. So I, that long form content is something that I've really begun to to like. So you make this pitch to your like relatively new bosses. How long were you there before you make this pitch? By the way, I think it was three months. Okay, cool. Maybe so not... three months, you're like, I got an idea, yeah, and we're gonna talk long form about fentanyl in St. Louis. At first, I think I said, all right, we could have four separate parts of this and have one part be like the families and one part be the law enforcement uh, and the paramedics, which actually didn't end up getting in there. Uh, Maybe that's part two. Part two. Yeah. We're at, we actually are working on a, a follow up. So, okay. All right. Yes. So we'll, we're going to come back to that. Okay. So, that. so you make this pitch part one is families. Part two is like law enforcement paramedics. Um, and then I can't remember exactly, but, uh, yeah. that's how we had it. And then we're just like, uh, our, our project producer at one point was just like, I, I think it just needs to be one thing. Like these are all, uh, just encompass each other so much that let's just put it into one. So some, you know, I love it. So if if you're a media personality listening or a reporter, don't take offense to this. But, you know, when we get requests and it's like, hey, I'm Matt Woods with Channel 4. Would you like to speak on this? It's awesome. And sometimes it's a little like, here we go. Because you have this amount of time. Right. And so the crew will come out. We'll rearrange our schedule because we want to be available. The crew will come out and they'll interview you. And usually what gets on air is like, we're concerned or cannabis is bad. And it's like, no, (laughs) that's not what I just said. Right. And so I'm not going to lie. When I first got connected with you, I'm like, okay, let's talk about fentanyl. And but you're approach from the very beginning I felt and I know lots of other people felt like this was different like you weren't trying to get a soundbite you were seeking to understand and that led to several other interviews and you were a real like detective in a way because something would come up and you'd be like well who would be a good person to talk to about that and who would be a good person I mean I'm assuming that's what's made this so great right is that you we're able to dig and keep digging and keep digging. Yeah, we used, um, besides the amount of people we talked to, I think we really used data to our advantage. Um, obviously, the CDC has data for like nationwide, but we also uh, got specific data from St. Louis City and St. Louis County Medical Examiner. Yes. Um, and that would show us, like, it was really comprehensive. It, like, everything besides the person's name, honestly, was you could see what types of drugs were involved. Um, and so, you know, when you see, 360 out of 425 or whatever, something similar to that uh, of the deaths were uh, involved fentanyl. Okay, well, that's something that obviously we need to highlight. Yeah. Um, and so 
<clears throat> you start with the fact that so many people are dying, we have to fix this, and then you just kind of sort of work backwards, I guess, to try to figure out um, what, uh, narrow down what the problem is, what the problems are, um, and how the system could work better to sort of fix that, because there's so many, the system is, is a beast, right? So to change, that has to be tweaked and change. People have to buy into that, so. Yeah, and the system is broken, let's face it. I mean, there are parts of the system that are really trying and there's innovation and there's, you know, more funding now than there has been before, but we still have a long way to go. Um, so, so yeah, it's, uh, it can feel overwhelming sometimes to make a change. Did you, were there times where you felt like this, this isn't going to go anywhere or it's too long or it's not long enough, or is it really, Am I really capturing what I want to capture? I mean, was talk to me about like any sort of challenges you had along the way. I think the hmm, the the biggest challenge is probably that we had so much information. Mm. We had I don't think we had an interview that was less than thirty minutes, um, which we really. That's one other thing is that we just had the. Um, creative freedom that when we go out on these shoots we're not uh producing uh, a news package for that same day we're right. producing a news uh, a package that's uh we don't have a deadline basically uh did so you have a deadline we did not which Whoa. is which is great i this is like kind of earth shattering for yeah it's local tv news it's sort correct? of sort of unheard of yeah right um, exactly like you know you imagine like the bosses are all right you got to get get it done by this date and right yeah usually a reporter's like yeah i gotta get this on by the 5 p.m news and you're like it's two o'clock like how is this gonna work <laughs> yes yeah. and that's that's real and i um uh, I don't know if I would ever want to do that. To, <laughs> yeah, to be I don't blame you. I don't blame you. you. Yeah. I see them, and it, it's a it's a hustle. It's a, mar a sprint every day for those guys. Um, but uh, and I'm trying to remember what your original Sorry, you question was. You were talking was. about how much content you yes, have. I mean, I yes. would imagine you had like hours of content that you had to get down. And so, yeah, when you have uh, 23 interviews, and uh, it must have been. Uh, 20 hours of just interviews uh we have those logged and we know what the most important stuff we have you know our best um our best parts of the interview uh interviews in there we have our uh, most knowledgeable subjects on this part talking about this but it's also like it has to be cohesive it has to come together um there has to be so much extra footage not just the interviews that you add into it um so there's uh, I mean, if we had more footage, just raw, raw footage um, that you see a lot in documentaries, it could have been an hour and a half. It could have right. been two hours. Uh, but uh, 50 minutes is is really lengthy for local news yeah. to, to produce a piece like that. So, so um, I was going to say breaking the fourth wall, but I don't think that's what it's actually called. You can tell me what it's called. But here in the studio, we have one of your team members who is not coming on air or on video, which is totally fine. You, I tried. We, we both tried. I know. <laughs> so 
Top, what is it called? It's not breaking the fourth wall. What is it uh, called? Contaminated. Yeah. Okay. I okay. should have said that in the first in the first bite. Contaminated the fentanyl crisis. Oh in no! Louis. I mean, what is it? Th- yes, say that again. Oh, uh, contaminated the fentanyl crisis in in St. Louis is the actual name of the documentary. Yes. What is it called? Where I'm like talking to people in the room, but they're not actually on camera. What's that called? Oh, it's not. It's does like does it have a name? I don't know. I feel like you you would know this as a documentary person. I don't think so. A documentarian? Is that what it's called? Oh, wow. I've, I've never... I will gladly take the title, Own it. but... Own it. Okay. We can inc- we can include that, like, in sub... Like, documentarian, Matt Woods. Okay. So, anyway, you had an amazing team that was working with you, including some really great editors <clears throat> who are not going to come on camera. But could you talk a little bit about your team? Absolutely. And I wish Sada would have come on so that she could uh, bounce some ideas off me, but it's okay. Uh... <laughs> Yes. So uh, basically, and there were more than more than just uh, myself. We have a video producer slash editor, and then the uh, special project producer. Um, and so essentially, it was us three doing uh, the bulk of it. I was doing the reporting. Uh, you know, who who should we interview? Um, and uh, actually, doing the interviews, mm-hmm, getting mm-hmm. the data. Um, all that good stuff. Um, and then once we had the interviews, sort of just having that conversation of what are we missing still and um, how do we convey the message that we want to convey, the, the narrative. Um, right. And so Sada actually, it, the, all the video editing, that's that's her. All the newspaper clippings and the um, music and all that stuff, that was all her, and I would just sort of look over her shoulder and um, sort of help her figure out what the best sound was from the interviews um, and that sort of stuff. So, so it's really a collaborative project, yeah. Absolutely, and uh, it's really needs to be um, because you, you never just want to have one perspective on really any piece of journalism. Um and whenever you just you know different people just think of uh, the different things that um, you need to produce that that final product yeah. basically right. Um, so is it weird to watch your work? Like, or do you like to watch it as you're you know? I mean, you said a while ago you're like it's been a while since I've watched it. Like, are you do you actually watch it? And is it weird? Are you constantly critiquing yourself and being like, ooh, I should have done that or <laughs> you should have used this music instead of this or um well yes, you always you're always gonna um beat yourself up on, oh, why did I not ask this question here? Mm. Um and that's just something when you're in the interview, it's hard to sometimes you just miss stuff. Yeah, of course. Um and so yeah, um, but at the same time, I guess, um, I can't remember what the original question was again. Sorry. That's right. I was asking if it was like, if it's weird watching your work. Oh, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it is. And I mean, I hate watching myself, but I also know like that that's kind of how you get better, right? Or you anticipate or you... So I understand there are like actors and actresses that are like, I've never seen that movie. But also like... Really? Really <laughs> true? Because how do you know how to do better? I don't. I 
I don't get it. I mean, I hate watching myself and I'm always like fixated that I'm like, oh, my hair was out of place or that color looks terrible on me or I really should have said this. But then the next time, like, I don't wear that color. I wear a different color or, you know, like I, I get better. Yeah, I think uh, I've gotten used to hearing the sound of my own voice. Um, so I don't really mind it anymore. Yeah. Uh, but uh, after we, after we finished, I mean, we had watched it through so many times. Oh, I'm sure, right? That, uh, like, here, the first draft, the say, and then the 20-something draft, uh, the only time I actually watched it after we published was just to make sure that there were no, like, spelling errors and sure. stuff like that. Yeah, because so. you kind of look for something different each time you're watching it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. 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 Um, so you mentioned there's a part two coming, maybe? There is. Can you talk there about is. It? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we got together and thought, what are the things that we didn't get to uh, in the first part, and um, who? Yeah, who? Who could we talk to now? Um, and so there's sort of there's sort of three parts: is identifying the gaps in care where people fall through the cracks. Word. Yep. Um, and how the the barriers to get that treatment and the recovery services that people need, um, why so many people don't get those services. Um, and that's complicated. So, uh, so we're sort of trying to uh, dig deeper uh, and talk to people who um, have researched a lot uh, of the overdose crisis and know s- sort of how... Um, the ecosystems of treatment and recovery services could better work mm-hmm. to get mm-hmm. uh, the people who are most at need often have the least access to serve Correct, to right. the services, right? So, um, yeah, but, and it's, I guess it's sort of easy to say that, but it's another thing to actually identify it. Mm. Um, and, and then to like illustrate it to where like a, yeah, a average person who tunes on, turns on the TV can like understand it, right? Like I've been in this field for 15 years. Um, I was with, we have certified peer specialists, five of them who all have lived experience or what I've just been told to say living experience because they are still living, living experience in this work and in this uh, space. And they were telling me yesterday that, because we have five of them in-house, and they were telling me yesterday that probably 70% of their time working with peers is trying to get them identification. Because if you come out of the criminal justice system or you come out of treatment or you come out of wherever and you don't have an ID, you can't get anything. Yeah. And so you're not released from jail, for example, with your ID. So you can't get housing you can't get employment, like you can't get a driver's license. And it's things like that. But how do you sit there and explain to someone, and this is why you do the job you do, because how do you explain to somebody that that's a very real barrier for Mm. someone to their recovery? Especially when you have people that are like, oh, well, if they really wanted to stay clean, they would stay clean. Well, (laughs) cool. (laughs) That's not real life. I don't don't think the 107,000 people that died last year were... 
Is it really that, you know? You're right. Like, if you exactly. just, just stop Because and- it's that simplistic of a, like, well, if they wanted to, they would. But, I mean, how do you convey that in an artistic way that makes people want to stay watching that isn't just, like, a sob story? Like, you mm-hmm. weren't... Because that's, that's the other thing that we see a lot is, like, it's just so tragic and so sad and so yeah. whatever. But, like, that also wasn't the angle that you all had. So... Yeah, our, um, our job is to make... Uh, the significant relevant and it's really easy to uh, I stole that from a book by I the way I was gonna say that might be the title of this from a episode. book called The Elements of Journalism there's uh, but it does sound pretty fancy it sounds um, so fancy okay your your job is to make the significant relevant right and it's really easy to um, to have something to have significant work that doesn't appear relevant um, and so we know this is something something significant um and i think we made it relevant by tying in the real world stories uh that people have experienced in the crisis and also people who are on the front lines Mm -hmm. of trying to turn the tides and i do uh want to mention that every every person we interviewed we asked uh do you see this getting better anytime soon and nobody came close to saying yes. I know. So it's... Um, I fe- and, and can I tell you, Matt, like when you asked me that question, I wanted to say yes. And I think I even said, like, I want to say yes. I want to retire early. Like, I would love for Prevent Ed to go out of business. I, honestly. And I say that to kids. I'm like, please help me retire early. <laughs> and I think that everybody in the field kind of feels the same way like it doesn't seem to be getting better which is very disheartening but also the people who do this work are the people who believe in that like just like so you're saying there's a chance right like yeah like we're hoping for the chance but we don't get up every day thinking we're gonna solve this yeah. Was that frustrating for you or defeating for you as you were working on the story? Um, it was, it was, uh, it's frustrating to hear that from everybody, but it, it wasn't surprising based on just, um, after the first couple of interviews, I guess it was like, okay, this is really, really, really bad. Um, and it is, but, uh, we can, I mean, we can show people that there's hope. Totally. Um, there is, we have three great FDA approved medications to treat substance use disorder. Um, but they're not deployed in the best possible way. They don't reach the people that need them the most. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's a fundamental misunderstanding of why people use in the first place and, uh, the other yes. side besides just medication it's not um and something like uh you know other illnesses like diabetes or um i don't know if that's the perfect example but uh, uh, it's a chronic disease yeah right where you get your medication and that's mm-hmm. supposed to can be treated and it can right. be yep yep uh but with managed uh with substance use uh most of the people are using to as a means to cope with other issues that are present in their life. And those just 
those don't just go away, right? Right, exactly. So. Ex- exactly. And how can we, you know, better understand the things that drive folks to experiment or use or need it to feel normal or whatever? I mean, some of that is coping. Some of that is also curiosity and experimentation. And those are things that we have to take into account, you know. Um, it is a very complex issue. And... Um, I think that the hope is there. Otherwise, we wouldn't be doing it, right? Yeah. And 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 I can imagine that it would have been very frustrating to like be doing this work and then hearing the same thing over and over again. Like, nope, we're getting better. Nope, we don't say. But you doing the work is also sort of getting us one step closer, right? Yeah, and I think showing people the real world better better outcomes um, and what uh, the possibility for better outcomes um, can really allow people to uh, allow the public opinion to change and it's not we, we don't do this because we want to change people's opinion but if you show if you show them this then uh, we want it to be impactful yeah. right I something mean, you shined a light on possibility yeah, yeah. which is critical um, for people in the field, for people struggling with substance use disorder, for people who love someone who are struggling with substance use disorder, for people in recovery, for policymakers, for all of it. Um, talk to me a little bit about the um, the uh, reception that this has had. I mean, obviously, like we love it. We're giving <laughs> you guys an award, and you know, we're all, you're on the podcast. But like, <laughs> a lot of people really loved this, uh, and we're very grateful. It got, it was better received, much better received than I had, had thought originally. Uh, a lot of the, I mean, you put it out there and you're just like, okay, now it's out there. What do, you know, right. what do we do now? But, uh, it, it has over a million views on YouTube. So people are, people are watching it. Um, and not just in St. Louis, yep. um, other places around the country. Um, and I don't want to make it sound like views are the only thing that we care about. It's an uh, indicator. It's important. Right, right. Um, uh, but the fact that people are viewing it, we hope that people can get something from it. If I think I mentioned it, but the one thing, if um, if it can help reduce the stigma around the issue, which uh, if we don't, if we don't do that, then there's really, like we can't go to the next step until we can sit at the table and treat this, treat this like the crisis it actually is. It is a crisis. I was talking to somebody the other day, reporter, who's doing a feature story for um, a national news program. Mm. And essentially, it's like, <clears throat> if the government, the federal government, is calling this a crisis if they're calling it an epidemic, if they're calling it what it truly is, then where is the response Yeah, at that scale? There's really not. There's um, not. There's not it. President Biden uh, touched on, uh, I can't remember if he, I think he called it the fentanyl crisis during the um, State, State of the State Union, of the Union. Mm-hmm. and had mentioned uh, a family member who was there who had lost his son, I believe. Yep. Um, and that's, that's great. I'm glad he mentioned it during totally. the State of the Union. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead of just saying we need to do more about it, 
uh, there's so much action that could have been done yesterday uh, that could <laughs> it, it's you know uh, yeah on the if if the politicians on the national scale aren't giving this the attention it deserves and passing bills that allow um, naloxone to be sold at sure. a pharmacy without a prescription yeah, that's or, a good start um, mm-hmm. which I mean why was that not passed uh, in 2010 uh, if we don't have that then it's kind of hard it's a lot harder to care at the local level um, if they're not treating it as uh, if they're not starting from the top down right mm-hmm. so uh, my last question for you how stoked were your bosses when they saw like the final product and it's gotten a million views so far? I mean, they, they had to be pretty stoked, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, my, <laughs> my, bo- my boss, JJ, um, had, uh, he was a special projects producer and, uh, he was much more excited than I was. I try to... <laughs> I try yeah, to be like, a little like bit a, like a reserved, like a low key person. I, I, I try to be a little reserved about it. Uh, I was, I am extremely proud of the work that we did, um, but he he would like check the YouTube videos every day and or just to see because in the beginning it actually was um, there were a few days where a hundred thousand people had viewed it within twenty four hours. That's nuts. And we're watching it, you know, after the first. They were like, we haven't promoted this on air. Um, it's, you know, we didn't set off a, a bomb and say, here this is. Right, Yet right. It was just, uh, so thanks to the YouTube algorithm for helping us with that. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's been, um, I, I hope that uh, motivates other, uh, well, our organization too at KMOV and other organizations to do more projects like that in the yes. future where you just step back and just take a little more time um, on the most pressing issues that St. Louis faces. When, any idea when we can expect part two? That's a great question. Uh, we, I have, uh, I've interviewed three people, a couple people in the treatment uh, scene. You haven't called me yet. No, uh, no, I have I'm not just, called I'm you. I'm actually just, I'm, always, I'm totally messing with I you. I always keep you in mind. <laughs> I'm totally messing with you. I always keep you in mind. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, uh, hoping to interview a couple more paramedics, uh, do maybe a profile of some people, uh, who are showing what outcomes are possible in those areas that we historically, uh, call underserved, but they're ignored, uh, but they're ignored. They've been ignored for a long time, um, which is why they're more likely to use heroin and fentanyl in the first place. And then die. Mm. Right. It's Um, just. Yes, horrific. And so, yeah. Um, but a uh, few months, give or, cool. give or take. Possibly, okay. who knows? It might All be, right. might also be September if okay. we just keep guys. But you know, also what I will say is, I mean, I asked that question not really expecting an answer because what I have learned about you in the short amount of time that I've gotten to know you <laughs> is that you're just going to keep digging and doing the work and making sure that when it comes out, it's going to present the story in as many ways as you can and you're not going to rush it and it's really awesome that KMOV is also not rushing it they're not like we need a part two tomorrow you know you're not like <laughs> yeah. a marvel movie like hey. it's it's okay take your time yes and that i'm very thankful for that um and that we have that 
the the space to do that because it's it's uh, a lot of time um it's it, it's more expensive than yeah yeah the most most of the work just because it takes more time so yeah yeah well maybe when it comes out you can come back uh and and talk about this again absolutely awesome uh thank you so much for being here um, if you like what you heard, um, please consider rating, reviewing, and subscribing to the podcast. Um, I'm just so thrilled that you were here today, but also that you're um, going to be accepting an award because it's not a bit, it's not, it's not an Oscar or anything, but it means something. It's from the field. It means something really important. So thank you for doing the work. Absolutely, it really means a lot that um, a, a local organization would. Uh, give me an award like that. Uh, you know, there, there's awards in journalism, but they're I assume they're picked by other journalists. Um, so mm-hmm. when people in the community acknowledge that you're doing something to make a difference, uh, it really means a lot. You are the only person we even thought about. This oh, year. all right. I mean, for real, for real. So well, maybe that's a not a great thing. Maybe. No, well, <laughs> no, I mean, there's other not. people trying. Okay, <laughs> I'll say that there's other people trying, okay. but uh, well deserved. So thank thank you you very much. Appreciate it. Uh, Again, if you like what you heard, I've already said this, but I'm going to say it again. You know, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, Until next time. Thanks for joining us at The Preventable. Brought to you ad-free by Prevent Ed. Prevent Ed works to reduce or prevent the harms of alcohol and other drug use through education, intervention, and advocacy. Please visit their website at prevented.org. Like what you heard? Rate, review, and subscribe to stay up to date with what we are serving on The Preventable.